Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. I'm Rachel Olson. And again, we have our sweet Noelle Okalowitz with us. Hey, girl. Well, you know what, ladies? I ran across this scripture And I just think that maybe it's something we can chat about today. It's from 2 Chronicles 15, verse 7, and it says, But as for you, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. I want to give you a little background of what that verse was about. King uh, Asa, he was the king of Judah at the time, and he had gone in and removed the altars and the shrines to the foreign gods. And the Bible says that he did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord. And then his friend Azariah encouraged him by telling him, but as for you, be strong and courageous for your work will be rewarded. Think about that with me for a minute. Because when this guy comes in and he knows that those idols and those foreign gods and the shrines are not good. And he goes against what everybody's been used to and he removes them, takes them out. Now, there had to be some opposition to that. There had to be some people whining about that, right? There had to be people crying about it. And that's what they had always known. And all of a sudden, this king comes in and says, no, we're removing them because there's only one God and that's who we're going to serve. And he stood his ground and he was strong and he was courageous. And he said, no, this is what we're going to do. But he had to take out some of those idols. Here's my question. When we read the old Testament like that, a lot of times we can say, well, you know, that was then, you know, we don't have idols. We don't have shrines and things that we worship now, but I believe that we do. They just don't look like those carved images from the Old Testament. And I don't know about you, but I I know some folks that have allowed their children to become their idol, or they've allowed their cell phone to become their idol, or they've allowed their job to become their idol. And and I'm looking in the mirror right now, and there's a lot of times I make things my idol. And I think it's really critical that we stop and, and we start looking at what in my life has taken priority and moved ahead of God in my life. So pretty much anything that consumes us um, can, can do that. Yeah. And sometimes we're consumed by good things, and I think... You know, you mentioned how it's very easy for a mother, particularly a young mother or a young mother with her first child um, or a a young mother um, who had trouble conceiving and she finally got her heart's wish, Mm. you know. It's very easy for us to wind up, um, you know, with good intentions, idolizing something that's a gift from God um, that's meant to cause our devotion to Him um, rather than our devotion to, to it. But... 
you know, it happens so easily. And sometimes I think it is when it's something that we want so badly. Those are the things that wind up being idols when we never really meant them to be. Yeah, and it kind of sneaks up on you. You don't even realize that it's happening sometimes. And you got to think about the folks in the Old Testament. You know, it was just a way of life. Is is they were always there, and so that's just what everybody did. And and sometimes in our society today, we we kind of just do because everybody's doing it. That's right. And I think of um, when I think of idolatry, I almost think of like a blind spot. You know, it's it's really um, like you just were talking about Rachel. Like, where's where's your focus on things and. And so when I'm teaching my children, I think of, okay, you know, your cell phone, your technology, what have you, money. But recently I was just reminded of a circumstance that unknowingly I had a blind spot in my life and I I believe it had become idolatry and I had no idea and it kind of smacked me upside the head a little bit and and I appreciate this is a conversation that Luann and I had privately about how this very well-meaning circumstance and situation had really taken over my life in such a way that it really could be idolatry could be an idol and so for me it was a uh, it's a court case that is eight years long and a severe injustice that has happened in my life. And I just keep waiting for resolve. And it seems like such a great focus to be able to say, okay, this is the year, this is the court case, this is the trial, this one's gonna make it right, this is gonna be over. I just wanna move on with my life because I don't wanna be a victim anymore. And so, of course, that aligns with gospel truth and biblical principles and I just you know I'm proclaiming all these promises of God and um, you know wanting him to be my powerhouse and pressing in and yet in all the midst of the chaos somehow the focus was off God and to a a vindication of that Mm. an outcome of the trial and so I really appreciate um, Luann you being such a good friend to recognize that even though it's a valid concern and a valid, you know, situation that has really taken over, where is my focus in all of that? I love the verse uh, from Second Chronicles that you you read. It says, "But as for you, be strong and courageous, um, because it takes strength and courage to be able to not only listen and to kind of try to identify those." Um, blind spots in our own lives, but it takes strength and courage to help one another as friends to be able to identify those in our own lives uh, with grace and with mercy and with, um, you know, just love so that it doesn't come off as being too judgmental. Uh, But I love the second part of that verse, how it says, for your work will be rewarded. Mm. You know, that is so true. And for me, when I when I was watching you struggle with those things, uh, it just seemed to totally consume. And I, I could see that some of the joy was being lost in your life. And, and so as a, as a mama, as a mama Lou, I, I wanted to just help you find that, that reward and that, that longing for God again. Not that you ever strayed away from him, 
but you were allowing those things to just kind of take your joy away. It was Steal. a hijack. Yeah. And that's true. And I didn't even realize that it was such a hijack because I had this these preconceived notions of what that outcome had to look like. And now I still don't have an outcome. But the difference is, is that I was striving so hard for the outcome that I expected. And I wanted justice. And, and I had to kind of come to grips with the fact that justice in this life may look a little different and that the court systems don't always, for whatever reason, uh, are able to implement the justice that I think is, is what should be happening. And so I think it's a heart issue mm-hmm. of, Lord, your way over my way. And, you know, I've told my girls before that it is so interesting to watch God because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when we really come to grips with that, we start seeing him in the middle of our circumstance. You know, Noel, I think of um, in the Old Testament, uh, it's echoed again, it's, it's stated again in the New Testament as, as Paul was quoting the Old Testament, but um, God says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. That's what it says. Vengeance belongs to God, and he can be trusted to dole out punishment and to bring about justice. You were saying sometimes um, the court systems don't deliver that, but uh, ultimately your trust has to be that God will. It might not come in the way you think. It might not come on this side of eternity. Um, We don't know how it will come, but that's the promise of God is that vengeance belongs to him, um, and not to you or I, um, and that he is the one that will repay. And it's not up to you and I to ensure that justice is done. Absolutely. And the question is, do we really, do we trust him? Mm-hmm. Do we believe what we believe? And I, I think we have this head knowledge, but when it comes to our, ourselves or something bad that's happened, maybe to one of our children, or, you know, it's like we get that fight in us and mm-hmm. that fire rises up and we're like, it has to happen yesterday and supersized. I get that way too. You're not alone. I've, I've not had a court case, but I, I get that way when I feel that someone has wronged me in some way or wronged my children or something like that. And I get that fiery, you know, um, that, that that vengeance gets rising up. And uh, in fact, I just spoke the other weekend at a church and they picked the topic and it meant that I was going to have to speak on forgiveness, which I was like, oh, Lord, you know, I stink at this. Um but, you know, uh, but it was good that I, I did that talk because it brought me back to some core truths, which is um, forgiveness does not mean, forgiveness is not the same thing as sanctioning. Forgiving someone does not mean that we sanction their behavior. We say that that's okay. Sometimes we resist forgiveness because we don't want to give them or anyone else the impression that we're okay with being treated like this. Those core truths, they, they helped me realize I can forgive and I can let this go. It's not up to me to make sure that they learn that what they did was wrong and that that's unacceptable to me and unacceptable to God. You know, you have to trust him to, to deliver that message. And, and the idolatry piece is like, I never thought that something that would be perceived as, as, as such a beneficial truth could be idolatry. For me, anyway, if I do get that overwhelming feeling like it is up to me, like Rachel was saying, it's up to me to make sure this goes right, 
that that right comes from this, then I know that um, I am off base a little bit. And and if I allow that to continue and to grow and it becomes overwhelming and takes over all that I see and all that I think about and I am consumed with it, then that's when it falls into the idol. And we we need to allow God to open our eyes to that. And maybe it's from a friend. Maybe it's just from reading his word and, and saying, God, what in my life has become an idol? You know, one of the best books that I have read on the subject of idolatry is a book called Counterfeit Gods by Pastor Timothy Keller. In that book, uh, Pastor uh, Keller talks about deep idols. He says there are four core deep idols um, that run, uh, that motivate and drive any one of us. Um, And he says that, and and he lists out the four, which I'll tell you in a second, but he says, think about how you would fill in this blank. Life only has meaning or I only have worth if, like what makes life worth living to you? Mm. That's a clue as to what your deep idol is. And, you know, for some people, um, it's power, Dr. Uh, Keller says. For some, it's approval. For some, it's comfort. And for some, it's control. So if your deep idol is power, he says, what you're driven by is, you know, uh, life only has meaning and I only have worth if I have power and influence over others and situations. If it's approval, life only has meaning and I only have worth if I am loved and respected by so-and-so. For comfort, life only has meaning and I only have worth if I have this kind of pleasurable experience or this level of quality of life. And then the last one, um, control, life only has meaning or I only have worth if I am able to get mastery over this area of my life. So when I, I, whenever I hear t- discussion of idols, I go back to what I read in that book because I know um, as an extrovert, I'm very much driven by that approval, mm. you know. And so what I get consumed with or get off base with is when I'm trying to get that need met, that need for approval or um, significance or whatever it might be. I think I also have a touch of the comfort idol because um, <laughs> I also, um, you know, I, love, I like pleasure, you know. I like, um, and, and, and who doesn't? Um, but that's something that I can see cr- kind of creep into me where I start to want my life to be at a certain level and I balk at the idea of having to give stuff away or give away my income or go travel to a third world country and help people you know who have malaria and I'm like no no I just finished redecorating my living room I'm going to sit right here in my pretty house you know so anyway comfort um, control power or approval do you recognize any of those in yourself absolutely I mean I recognize a little bit of all of those in my life and I think you're spot on we are all capable of putting any of those areas on a pedestal and making them our idol it, it's I wish you'd get off my toes because <laughs> there there are things in my life and you know if we're honest and we say God, would you just turn the searchlight on my heart and what's driving me? Is it because I am looking for approval? Is it because I want to be in control? Well, maybe I just don't want change and I want everything to be comfortable. What is it that is driving me? 
And how do you want me to be strong and courageous and stand up and say, no, take those things out of my life. And this, I think, happened with my husband and I. Uh, several years ago, we, we built our dream home. You know, we had always wanted our dream home out on the lake, and we, we really wanted uh, to be there. And that house, you know, we ended up doing all kinds of different things to it, and, and my husband was approaching retirement years. And I just felt God nudging me and saying, don't get too attached to this. And I was like, no, no, this is, this is what we've worked for our entire life. This is, you know, we've saved for this. This is what we want. This is, you know, we made the plans. We, we were our own general contractors. No, this is really, this is our dream. That dream really became the idol in our life. And even though, you know, we, we used it to entertain our family and, and do nice things with it, God was just knocking on my heart saying, don't get too comfortable here. This is not yours to keep. And I think about that verse in Second Chronicles, like, what? What? Be, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded, and tear down the idols, get rid of the shrines. And when my husband retired, he was very concerned about having a mortgage, he didn't want to go into retirement years and still owe anything. And we talked about it. And we ended up going from this dream home into a small house that we bought on the courthouse steps in an auction that was an absolute pit. And I thought we were going to buy it because we were going to fix it up and sell it. And my husband said, nope. That's where we're supposed to move. And you could have shot me between the eyes with a stun gun. <laughs> I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that because I knew this was his dream too. And all of a sudden, I walk in this house and every single bit of carpeting in there was saturated with dog urine. It smelled like it had been smoked in for a hundred years. Everything was yellow and nasty and... I thought, really? We're, we're going to go down to a third of the size of house, and all of a sudden, your world gets turned upside down, and God just reminded me, Luann, did I not tell you not to make an idol of your home, not to dream that that is the finished product? I'm going to reward you for the good work and being strong and courageous, but it's not what you thought it was going to be. Well, you had to give up, you know, that was your comfort idol, right? Yeah. Your pretty home, and this place was the opposite of pretty. And the control. And give up the control, because this is what your husband said, this is what we're doing, and mm -hmm. you didn't get to say no to that. No. I remember God checking my heart, you know, not long after we moved into that dream home, that be careful, be careful because this could be snatched away as quickly as you built it. And I, I just remember going, wow. And so God took us on a journey for three years of taking us down to those down, downsizing moments. And then he allowed us, because I think 
we were tearing down the idols and we were putting him back on the throne and saying, God, whatever you want. We weren't really looking for anything else. We were content where we were. We had finally achieved that. Okay, this is what God has for us. There must be a reason and let's just go with it. And then Dwight yelled, plot twist. (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. So we get this email at nine o'clock at night from an old uh, neighbor who lived next to the dream home and said, hey, guess what? The folks that live on the other side of your dream home, that house is going to go up for sale. It's an absolute pit, but you guys specialize in... (laughs) You specialize in in the pit. (laughs) You specialize in pit revival. (laughs) (laughs) So we were able to go back to the the next door to our dream home and totally revitalize this house that I had watched for years deteriorate. And I always thought, man, it just needs some love. It just needs some love. Somebody needs to go love that. And as we got this opportunity to go back to that house and totally gut it, tear down all of the things that made it nasty and and rebuild it, God was saying, this time, use it for my glory and make sure that when I call you to use it, you're more than willing to do it. God walked us through that so my husband's able to be at a retired place in his life with no mortgage and we constantly have people at our house for his glory we have we host bible studies we we host neighborhood events we host encouragement cafe things you host noel yes and rachel and rachel (laughs) and whoever god sends in our path and it is an absolute delight because it has enriched us And that is the reward that God was talking about. That is your work will be rewarded. Noel, I can in no way, shape, or form promise you that the um, outcome that you're seeking in your court case will come if you simply lay it all down on God's altar and surrender it. I can't promise you that. But I do know from experience, there's a very good chance that that's exactly how what you're really seeking will come. When we try to force it, when we try to make it happen, or when we stake our contentment on it happening a certain way, that's often what dams it up and blocks it up. When we release, when we trust, that's often what opens the floodgates. I couldn't agree more. And just having this uh, conversation today is such a great reminder. And I just appreciate it because I'm kind of at the place now where you were at in your little ranch Mm -hmm. kind of fixing it up. I I can't see the end of the story, but seeing the end of your story and also seeing God's faithfulness in the stories of his word just give me such hope and actual excitement. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of excited right now to see what's going to happen. And even if nothing happens according to the courts, I know that God is for me mm-hmm. and I know that he loves me and and thank you so much for just loving on me today and I hope anyone out there who's going through kind of a similar situation but we all have have our idols we we just need to um, lay it at the foot of the cross and mm-hmm. and redefine our truth and where do we get our value one of the things that we do here at encouragement cafe is encourage one another by being real We all stumble, we all fall, 
We all have our idols that get in place, whether we mean for them to or not, they get in that wrong spot, the focus, that all-consuming. And so today, as we've talked about this around the cafe, maybe there's somebody in your life that needs to hear this message that it is okay for us to be real with one another, but to allow God to readjust our focus. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at EncouragementCafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.